Relating to Self. A podcast that helps you create a better relationship with yourself. Hey, I'm Joachim. Welcome. Do you realize that there is only one relationship that you will always be in? The relationship with yourself. Improving that relationship changes everything. On this podcast, I share my thoughts and I invite real people to have vulnerable conversations about how they relate to themselves and what we can learn from that. In today's episode, I have a conversation with Max, who writes from a place that both is and isn't him. Enjoy. Max, welcome to the Relating to Self podcast. Glad to be here. You are an award-winning poet named by Forbes as one of the best storytellers of the year. And that is quite an achievement, I would say, and that bodes well for this conversation. Thank you. As I was saying to you before we started recording, it's a wonderful expectation for me to not live up to. <laughs> well, let's see what we can do. Um, well, Max, you know that this podcast is all about how people relate to themselves. And my first question is very predictable because it's always the same one. When you hear the words relating to self, what does that mean for you? Or what comes up for you when you hear that? First thing that comes up for me is, uh, I'd say the shift in how I relate to myself that has happened probably starting five-ish years ago, going from caring so much about what other people thought and thought of me to really having, uh, without exception, my intuition be the guide to each of my choices, um, not entirely regardless of its impact on others, but it is king. And I will choose based on what it is telling me. And the shift from being driven by in a sense, people-pleasing to having a trust in myself that the voice coming through, as long as I can decipher that it's that voice, is one that, uh, that I will trust and walk forward in. And regardless of the outcome of that choice, I will often, and I mean, I fear the word always. This one is one where I really might use the word always, be glad that I chose it. That's the first thing that comes up for me. Beautiful. That sounds like a very rich exploration because then obviously I'm going to be super interested in what happened along the way, right? Like what happened five years ago that made that change happen or made it start happening because I assume it was also a process. And it sounds very related to what I've experienced myself in, in my relating to myself. I kind of frame that usually as going from an externally validated position in life to an internally validated position. So, yeah, I'm curious, perhaps first to understand a bit more about this idea of following your intuition and your choices right now, right? What does that feel like exactly to you? It feels like as I really tune into it in this moment, as I checked in, it was the intuition was breathe. Um, it's like breathe as you receive that question. I added the as you receive that question. It just said breathe. 
um, and just like a process of really listening in, in each choice, trying to get very much out of my mind and just like listen. It's a process of listening, almost like a conversation with the universe or with something that feels both in and outside of me at the same time to step back with a question of like, what wants to happen here? Like, what, what does love want to happen here? And I don't often say that out loud in my head. There's more of like an embodied sense of like, turn the brain off and just like, what's here? What wants to come through me right now? And then listen, and I get answers. Yeah, beautiful. I can very much relate to that. One thing that comes up for me is when you say, you know, wanting to get out of the mind, the way I frame that is like the mind is, is basically just coming up with stories all the time. And we need to get away from the mind to be in the now and then to kind of like feel into what's real. But given the fact that you are one of the best storytellers, I'm intrigued by this idea of getting away from the mind, from the stories. So mm -hmm. I wonder how you, how you see that relationship between being a storyteller and at the same time kind of moving away from the stories intentionally to guide your own actions? I really, I love that question. It speaks beautifully to like a, um, a place I'm at right now, which is as I've, uh, I'm just, as a poet, I've just released um, something I've been working on for about seven years from writing it to turning it into a film. Um, it's like a poetry special. It's an hour of poetry film. Um, each has animations, all sorts of live action. It was really a beautiful and large undertaking. And again, I'm getting a lot of questions about the inspiration and the process and writing process. And I often say, like, my favorite writing happened in a moment of inspiration that I'm not in control of. And it felt like, like I just catching the words and putting them down from a place that it's <laughs> going to be a lot of paradox in these conversations because we're talking about things that are sort of beyond the mind, but in a place that both is and isn't me. Um, and what's funny is like, you know, the, the poem that got me, got me the awards of that and that, that title. It's like, I was one of those that it came through and I was catching it. And as I hear that question, I'm like, yeah, is Max the storyteller of the year? Is that Max or is that really that award should go to this thing that is also in all of us and it happened to visit me and I have sort of like a, oh man, am I taking credit for something that that isn't mine to take credit for? To which the answer is, is yes and no. <laughs> um, and it's sort of fun to, um, I've frequently written apologies to creativity for making it about me. Um, for the number of times that I will experience the beauty of feeling so connected to everything that creativity comes pouring through and a poem comes out that is from another place. Oh my God, thank you. And then I tend to do this thing as it's become my career where I then try to figure out how to go about and whether it's make money about on that or find some artistic status, something um, in a way that is not not necessarily aligned um, with that message coming through itself. Uh, 
And so when Mac sits down to write and the brain is telling stories, I'm good at it, but it's not the thing that is soul touching. Um, the soul touching comes in moments of inspiration that I'm not in control of. And I am a better storyteller with my mind than most, but uh, it is not the mind that tells the stories that I'm most proud of. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Well, there's a lot of richness there that I would like to explore more. One of the things that struck me is this idea of not being in control. I tend to believe that we are never in control. The only thing we have is the illusion of trying to control what's actually happening. So maybe you could tell us a bit more about how you release yourself from that illusion, how you give up the urge to control, to then surrender to whatever it is that wants to be communicated through you, as you say. Can I first ask you a question before I answer that? Yes, you may. I'm curious about your relationship with others who demonstrate a strong desire for control or actions of control. I share what you're describing, and mm -hmm. I believe I'm working on how I respond to it when I see it in others. That's a great question. Thank you. Um, my answer would be twofold. I think on the one hand, one of my major practices is compassion. So whenever I see this happening, I remind myself that I too did this quite strongly in the past. So it's something I recognize as human and as maybe even necessary for survival in some ways. So I try not to judge it. On the other hand, I also feel that as I have developed myself more, I am more discerning with whom I want to be around and who I invest time in, who I choose to intentionally create and develop relationships with. And I've never thought about this directly in this way, but I tend to think now that people who have this strong urge to control their environment or other people around them are not the kind of people who resonate with me right now. So I don't think there are a lot of those people around in my life anymore. Yeah, that resonates for sure. Um, thanks for sharing. And I relate to that. And I uh, think in some ways it feels hardest for me because I used to do it too when I see it in others and I see the difference in myself of like how much just like more true it feels in my body now to relate the way I do. Like I can often want to like shake it out of them or even <laughs> bully it out of them or like to, I, I like, I can get pretty intense with it. Um, and I have often found that, but like the, if I encounter people who are acting like, the most recent version of me before a strong shift. That is the, one of the most triggering things for me. Like that is one of the hardest things for me to relate to. Um, and yeah. Uh, and so thank you for that. And your question was, how do I release control? Yeah. Do you have any specific practices or things that you have found help you in getting away from that controlling aspect of the mind? I think I, I tend to reach a point um, where it starts to feel like I'm pushing uphill 
Um, and then I go through a difficult process of, am I just not trying hard enough? Am I just not showing up to this in a way that is where uh, I am honoring what I desire or who I want to be? Um, and is this a moment to step more strongly and to release the fear of failure in it and to show up more and to let it beat me or break me and try to really consider that because I'm resistant to it. I want to go with the flow and do what is easier. Is that what's happening right now? Or is this time to shift and move direction? And often I at least take a couple of, of shots, not alcoholic, <laughs> um, take a couple of like hits from whatever I'm encountering. Like, and really try to check in each time of is it time to is it time to let go and it's not easy for me to let go cuz i i want to try and push through first and i sort of wait for the evidence that that's not what's happening here and it no longer feels like my showing up to this again is serving myself or it and so let's shift um and often there's tremendous amount of relief in that shift um, because it's, you know, it's, as I say that out loud, I wonder, will I rage against the dying of the light less as I continue to, to mature? And there's a part of me that feels right now anyway, it's important for me to not, it's important for me to, um, to make sure that I'm not confounding the release of control with laziness. Mm. Beautiful reflection. Thank you. It's nice of you to bring up this quote, the raging against the dying of the light, because I made a journal entry recently about that for myself. I don't know where it came from. But the reflection was something like, no, no, I'm, I am not going to rage against anything. I am just going to surrender because you know what? The light will die. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much the only thing we're certain of. And I felt a lot of peace, I guess you could call it, in, in, understanding this and then accepting it from myself. Mm. So I would love to go more into that to get like your perspective on, on death. But before we go there, I want to try to understand more what you said, releasing the fear of failure. Because mm. I think that is one of the well, most common failure modes is actually people not acting or not letting go out of fear, right? Fear is the driver. So how have you surmounted this for yourself because i assume in the past there was more fear or it held you back more and then somehow now you've you've been able to go through this how do you do that yeah i don't know if there's less fear now my relationship to the fear is different um fear is also the emotion i think i have the least mastery over um i yeah, I mean, one thing that comes up is is this is this show. It was tremendously scary for me to both invest financially in myself to create this work of art, um, and then to like to I was trying to sell it. I was trying to sell it to a streamer, and I did not sell it to a streamer. Um, and both in doing it, there was tremendous resistance to begin. And I told myself a million stories about why it wasn't worthwhile that were really about like fear of doing this, fear of doing this thing, fear of how people might respond. 
And what, you know, could I, if I max, great max, giant ego max, if I max put all my energy and, and all this into this thing, and then what if people don't think it's good enough? That was a really scary thought. Um, and then that was even more challenging in the, the pitching mode where it, is, it was done. I love it so much. And there are, of course, things I would have done differently and parts that where I'm like, oh, that's not quite it. Um, and then the process of pitching is basically, do you like this? Do you like here? Oh, do you like the, this thing? I poured so much hard. Would you like it enough to take it and, and pay me for it, for this art? Do you like, it's like, it's such an energy of, am I good enough? And is it good enough? Not am I good enough? But those things as my tongue slipped or confounded in my system. Um, and yeah, this, the, the, fear of it was also the it was what I was thinking of in terms of taking the shots it felt for a long time like I'm done with this I don't want to be in is this good enough mode I want to share this with the world let me just put this out and uncertainty in myself is that giving in because it's so uncomfortable for me to be in the the share mode of this art am I not showing up to it um and I guess one question that helps me is asking myself, if I were to do this, if I were to try and put this out there and do this thing, would I look back on it with regret? Um, and if the answer to that is yes, then I guess I give the fear more weight. And if the answer is no, then I'm like, then all right, fear, shut up. <laughs> like, And it doesn't shut up. That's not how it works in me. But then it's, I guess then I'm better able to step through it. Mm. Is the answer ever, yes, I would regret that? Yes. Um, if I, so I mean, an example with this show, if I had just put it out before trying to do these hard steps to get it in front of the people, mm. I don't think I would have, I would have wondered. Um, I don't think I would have felt like I gave it my all. It's interesting because I'm curious, like if I had been deeply in touch with intuition the whole way through and not been thinking about external pressures or society at all, might there have been an earlier message of, Max, you don't actually need to bring this there. It's like just time, just put this out. And maybe was I afraid to listen to that because it was so different than what? I've poured all this money into it and I'm just not even going to try to make any of it back and just like do that. I want to be open to it. It's possible that that was there the whole time. Um, but this was my process anyway for how I engaged with it in this occurrence. <laughs> yeah, I, I recognize that. It's like, it's not, it's not because you actually know stuff that you don't need the process to then do the action in the end or not do the action in the end. I, I hear you. Max, this is fascinating because it sounds like everything we've been talking about until now is very related to what I would call the creative process in general, like this idea mm -hmm. of creation, uh, the I, the ego, or whatever it is, creates something or, you know, something happens, something is created. Mm -hmm. How do we relate to ourselves in that process? And then also afterwards, the things you shared about, you know, wanting to sell your art or maybe feeling weird about that. I recognize that so much. I was a composer in a previous life. So a lot of that process feels very familiar to me. And it's interesting because I recently started, well, I'm, I'm saying this in the past because it's in the future now, but when this episode is published, it will be in the past. I will be doing a 
a thing I call heart practice, which is basically a weekly gathering in which I'll invite people to come together, be inspired by something, and then create something mm. while being mindful of the process of how we relate to ourselves in that mm. moment of creation. Because some like of the that. most interesting blocks come up, I feel, during the creative process. So I'm now also very curious to hear from you if your creative process as a poet was perhaps at the origin of the big shift that you named at the beginning of this conversation. Um, was my creative process of, of a poet, as a poet, at the origin of that shift? Like, what was the difference of it between the... Hmm. The shift is more in my awareness of what's what. How the poems came through was the same then and now. Interesting. The shift was in my understanding of what that is. Um, but the it was happening the same way. Yeah. Um, wouldn't it be possible that the awareness also came to fruition because of the creative process? I'm trying not to like push you in a direction here, but... I feel like that was definitely part of my process where the stuff I went through while, while creating kind of helped me also gain awareness. Uh, I can hear that differently. Um, the main trigger of the shift for me was uh, that my world before five years ago revolved, the social world revolved very much around these two like very diagnostically clear narcissists. And I was not aware what narcissism was. Um, and I was very deep in, very deep in a community that revolved around that. I fell madly in love with someone who happened to be in a relationship and was not a narcissist, but we were in the same world. Um, there was a truth in me that was so deep and shining that it broke through so much blindness that I had had and illuminated so much of the stuff for me of, oh my God, look how much what I had been looking at as love and as friendship is not that, oh boy. And that was not a quick process and involved a lot of pain, a lot of doubting and, and all of that. And art did have a role in that process in that I, uh, um, creativity did in that this woman and I wrote letters and poems to each other. Um, and I actually have a, uh, like a book of poems for that is just for her um, that there are two copies of one for me and one for her. And I just recently learned that the copy I mailed her did not get to her. So I'm processing that and <laughs> figuring oh, <no>. out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I just felt this wave of like, no. <laughs> yeah, I have that too. And I'm figuring out how to move forward in that um, as it's, it is a different time now and that love is eternal and what is the role of me and creativity and it and love in that? But also love and creativity, I think, can be very similar. Sometimes love, creativity, God, the same thing, same word for me. Um, God contains more. Um, and, and yeah, and actually, I feel called to return to that, the rage against the dying of the light. Um, I'm rambling a bit. I need to access the Forbes Best Storyteller of the Year. <laughs> um, the, yes, call him forth. The raging, the raging against the dying of the light, to me, enhances the beauty of life. Like not as uh, not raging with the expectation that you will change the outcome, mm. but raging as a form of 
no, this matters so much to my heart and my being that I'm going to lay myself on the line for it. Like I'm going to show up to this so fully and so completely, even when it hurts so much as this hurt is more experience and more beauty in its own way. And I'm going to keep walking and know that hurts so much. I'm going to keep walking. No, I refuse. I fucking refuse. No, I will not stop. I'm walking towards this as life beats me the fuck down. No, I want it so bad until it literally breaks me. And then in breaking me, ah, I tried, I tried, I wanted it so much. Like I had so much desire for you. I had so much, I would not let this go. And then that's not what life gave me. So now I'm learning to accept this other thing, but I showed up and I tried and I find that raging beautiful, especially when it's not like, it's dangerous when it starts to turn into control, when it's, I'm raging so hard. You, you must do what I think is, nope, hold on. Not you must do what I think is right. I must show up to this absolutely fully. And yeah, that I, I'm very encouraging of that rage so long that it, so long as it is not um, right up to the boundary of um, manipulation or persuasion of others. Or perhaps self-sacrifice, where I think this kind of rage could also lead. I'm more okay with that. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> you are a poet after all. <laughs> well, that kind of leads us into death, right? That's exactly my next question. <laughs> so especially, you know, as poetry maybe is the only way to approach death, or maybe philosophy is another way of approaching death. But I'm I'm really curious how you parse the idea of death in your life and how it relates to your work. I've got tears in my eyes because I just, I really, I appreciate where you're coming from. And I'm so excited that I get to share what I'm about to share with you. As it's one of my favorite things. I did not write this poem. What is I? The I that it lives in Max did not write this poem. I believe a very similar I to the one that creates poems through Max also created this poem through. It's unclear who exactly, maybe Wayne Dyer, maybe Henri Nusso. In a mother's womb were two babies. And one turns to the other and says, do you believe in life after delivery? And the other replied, why, of course, there has to be something after delivery. Maybe we're here to prepare ourselves for what will be later. Nonsense, said the first. There's no life after delivery. What kind of life would that be? I don't know, said the second, but there'll be more life than here. Maybe we'll walk with our legs and eat with our mouths. Maybe we'll have other senses that we don't understand now. And the first replied, that is ridiculous. Walking is impossible. And eating with our mouths? Absurd. The umbilical cord is what supplies nutrition and everything we need, but the umbilical cord is too short. Life after delivery is to be logically excluded. And the second insisted, I think there's something. Maybe it's just different than it is here. Maybe we won't need that physical cord anymore. And the first replied, nonsense. And moreover, if there is life after delivery, then tell me why has no one ever come back from there? Delivery is the end of life, and in the after delivery is nothing but darkness and silence and oblivion. It takes us nowhere. And the second said, but certainly we'll meet mother, and she will take care of us. And the first replied, mother, you actually believe in mother? If mother exists, where is she now? And the second goes, she's all around us. We are of her. It is in her that we live. Without her, this world could not and would not exist. And the first says, well, I don't see her. It's only logical she doesn't exist. And the second said, sometimes, 
when you're in silence and you really listen, you can hear her presence, perceive her loving voice calling down from above. And I love that so much. And it is very related to how I think of death as the second infant in the womb there, um, which is that I think in a way this is, this is the womb. Um, I believe in a form of reincarnation. I believe this is not the end. Um, and there's a knowing of that in my body that it would be near impossible to, to talk me out of. Uh, and yeah, and I believe that there's one thing looking through all of our eyes and sort of like a return to source of sorts and experiencing again of different, um, of different existences and experiences. And it's very possible that that is all happening right now. And, uh, my sense of like a new life later is off language falls very short here, I think by design, but I love that poem very much. And it's very much how I think about death. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing. I'm curious how your beliefs, what you just shared, how is that related to your relationship with yourself? Do you see the bond you have with yourself or the world differently from that perspective? So I see myself in both babies. Like, I see my logical mind and my skeptic so very confident and dismissive of this invisible, magical other that can't be clearly scientifically defined. And I more see a past version of myself in that. And I see this insistence and wonder of no fighting for the invisible truth like there's more in that second baby. And I see that in myself, too. And I think part of what I love about that poem and and how it relates to myself is it's a rare situation where we are on the we are in the future knowing we know the outcome of what happens after birth we know what's really going on and we hear <laughs> we hear the we hear such strong logic such strong contrary logic um and i love the way that that suspends my present contrary you know measurable logic put air quotes around at that time um towards what happens after death. And so, yeah, I guess I see myself in both babies and my transition has been from baby one to baby two. And sometimes it can be very frustrating to try and explain from baby two. And so I love that poem and the way it, it puts priorities in its place. I would love to go back to something you said earlier, because now we've been talking about death and it's kind of ironic because well, you know, it's the two big themes, I guess. I have written two chamber operas in my life. The first mm -hmm. one was about love. The second one was about death. Mm -hmm. So after death, now I would love to go back to love. As you mentioned that the, the big shift um, happened or maybe partly happened because of this strong love that you experienced. And so I would love to know, first of all, how how that actually changed anything? Like what was the process of feeling that love and then changing your awareness so strongly? And then secondly, maybe if you could speak about self-love, about the act of loving yourself. Um, the love of her was also like made out to be so like 
wrong or there was something wrong with me for feeling it in this way I wasn't supposed to feel it or how could I feel this way or do what I had done in this environment and and for the record I feel I showed up with a you know I would have done some a couple things different but mostly showed up with tremendous amounts of integrity and care for her care for her partner like I'm very proud of most of the way that I showed up and I just remember looking on a mushroom journey actually like really trying to look be like am I like what am I missing here like I'm everyone around me or so much of what I've called my community has made me to be so wrong here for like what am I missing is it it's wrong like where is it wrong and I just reached a point where I started to laugh like where I really was trying to look is this wrong is feeling this experiencing this doing this is it wrong and I started laughing, just like, so it's like, was such an, of course not. And it was such like a, I got to a depth of, oh, like if people are insisting this is wrong around me, they are not people for me. Like, it's not that it is wrong or I am wrong. It is that we are not a fit anymore. Okay. Oh God, I'm a tremendous relief in that too. And tremendously painful for people that I called friends for that amount of time to be so not seen by them and to be so, you know, villain, villainized by these people for something as pure and beautiful as this. Um, and that it was so painful. Um, but that was, that was the way that this love started to shift from external to internal was in the reconciling and being villainized for it to really to look so deeply to be trying so hard to figure out I'm clear everyone around me is saying this I'm clearly not getting something what am I'm not getting it like how, where can I find it like where can I find this thing that the world around me is telling me is right I want to find it I'm trying to find it in me like I'm so sorry and I, I realize I've done something so wrong and, and hurt people so much I'm so sorry and let me find it and you know, I tear up as I even go back to that because like tear up for, for myself in feeling like I needed to apologize for this that is the opposite of what needs apology. <laughs> and yeah, my self-love is in that of like, oh, like previous Max, I'm so sorry for not trusting you more and not trusting this purest and most beautiful expression that you had ever experienced. And for doubting it because others didn't understand like, uh, like Max, I'm really sorry about that. And, and thank you for your patience with me as this is how we learned. This is how we shifted it. Um, and yeah, you know, there's lowercase S self and capital, capital S self and self-love and capital S self includes all of our self and the trust of that to trust that like, I trust that my intuition is actually considering you too. Um, if I believed my intuition were only taking care of Max in this body, I wouldn't feel so confident in trusting it. And I've now had enough data points that that I don't believe that that's true. I believe times I've seen times where it seems like to the right and wrong mind or the outside world, trusting my tuition is selfish or not taking this other person into consideration and then watching later them thank me for doing that because it brought up something else in them and needed to happen this way. And, and I've now had enough of those data points that I'm like, Oh, it's funny. As I say that out loud, 
there's a voice in my chest that's mad. It's like, you need data to trust me, Max. And I'm like, I don't anymore. No, 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 I don't anymore. I did before. Yes, I did before. I don't anymore. Sorry about that too, <laughs> Max. But that that did help. It helped quiet my rational mind. It's kind of that voice in my chest is kind of like, fuck that shit. And all right, we're here now. <laughs> um, yeah, that resonates. I I tend to think something like, we don't really have an idea of what's happening anyway. We can't predict the consequences of our actions or our choices or anything like that. So instead of worrying about what the impact could possibly be, I think the only thing we can aspire to is to live with integrity and to be in alignment with our inner truth. And I agree with you that that is very hard because it's also something that the world isn't really promoting in any way. It's very much a counter-cultural kind of thing, or at least that's how I have experienced it. So that felt difficult to get there. But yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah, I resonate with that. Especially at its like at its strongest and most int most int integrous. I don't know what the version of that word is, but yeah, that, that is confronting for I mean, of course, for ourselves as we do it and for other people. And I don't know about you, but I often felt like I find it painful when I'm doing the really hard thing of honoring that. And the people, like whether it's, and I'm now surrounded by more people around me who honor me for that. But when it's, when that is not recognized for the difficulty of doing it and is met with any of that kind of like the resistance, I'm like, you're totally entitled to your experiences and feelings. And also like, ah, oh, like really wanted to be met with like a thank you for honoring what you need. And it's hard for me to not get that. Well, I honor you, Max. <laughs> or living according to what you need. Thank you. Yeah, and I really feel that from you. And right back at you. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. As we are nearing the end of our time, which I want to be mindful of, um, I will end with also a traditional question, which is, is there any question that you would have loved to answer, but that I didn't ask you? No. <laughs> <laughs> that felt such like a such a true a true answer no there isn't yeah not that comes not that comes up no, i really enjoyed this that's great yeah me too thank you so much for showing up thank you so much for having done the work that can now bring you to this place where you can talk about this with such clarity i'm sure this was inspiring for many people yeah um have you uh have you read the rick rubin book yet or have you heard of it I've heard of Rick Rubin, but I'm not sure if the book you're... He just wrote a book recently. Um, and what you just shared of having done the work to be here and tell the stories now just speaks really beautifully about art and uh, how much of art is just is living. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, I'm very much enjoying it. And yeah, I think you'd enjoy it too if you're curious about it. Cool. Yeah, I'll check it out. Thank you so much. And for the people listening, I will also post this in the show notes so that whoever is interested in that subject can follow along. Oh, Max, thank you so thing. much. Oh, one more thing. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Yeah, one more thing. <laughs> <laughs> go for it. Um, a question that I could have answered was, um, where can people go watch the special that you worked so hard on? Fuck, oh, you can watch it. That's funny because that was exactly my question. Like, you know, where can people, where can people find you? Where can people read you? 
Where can people watch you? Um, so I, this this baby that I've worked so hard on is at wordsthatmove.com slash special, or you could just go to wordsthatmove.com. Um, I'm Max Stossel on the social medias. That'll help you find me. And I post very infrequently and have a very complicated relationship with them, but that is me. Um, and yeah, I really hope that you'll watch this thing that I've worked very hard on and there'll be new creative endeavors to come. Beautiful. I will make sure I post all of those links and your somewhat difficult social media links. <laughs> <laughs> and then people can find you that way. Max, thank you so much. This was a lovely conversation. Awesome. Thanks. It was great to meet you. And thank you, Anne, for putting us together. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe to the podcast. You can also read more of my thoughts on Twitter. I will post a link in the description. And if you are interested in improving your relationship with yourself, please subscribe to my email list at relatingtoself.com. I will then send you meditations, rituals, practices, and more of these beautiful conversations. Thanks. Thanks.